Hello, 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 everybody. I know it's been a hot minute, but I have been a busy dude. So I just wanted to record an episode. As I said, been super busy and haven't had a chance to sit down and get some guest lines up. I know I have a bunch of people who say they're willing to come on. They want to come on. It's just all the timeline, guys. So that being said, you know, it's summer. Um, business is busy. Personal life is busy, et cetera, et cetera. So just, I guess what I'm saying is just bear with me for a minute here and we will hopefully get everything rolling and try to get some episodes out and not get so many long um, dead air in between. Um, so what I've got for you guys is just kind of an update on where we're at. So as you may have noticed, if you're following the Facebook page, the, uh, the podcast logos kind of took a change. The Instagram at this point still doesn't exist, but probably will in the future. Um, I changed the logo just because I felt like with just me, it's a little different and it didn't feel the same without John. So I felt like it's kind of a rebranding period. So it's best to do, make all the changes I can make now. Blue Collar Syndicate kind of stood for a group of people and a conglomeration of people. That being said, I felt like I brought one side of the blue collar world and John brought the other. Well, now that John has left, I feel like there's only my side, which isn't um, self-admittedly isn't completely representative of the, of the entire blue collar syndicate. So I shortened it up the BCS podcast, the blue collar syndicate, the blue collar shit, the blue collar show, call it whatever you want. But moving forward, you know, this show is still going to be all about the blue-collar class, the blue-collar people in the world. Still going to do my best to represent that blue-collar society. Um, but I just, I didn't want to call it the blue-collar syndicate and give off the impression that I'm representing everybody when I'm not. I'm clearly not. The good thing about when John was here is he brought a certain type of perspective that is different than mine, but we're both blue collar people. You know, John is a self-improvement guy. He's a sober guy. He quit drinking, doesn't drink. He's a very physically active guy, physically fit. He is not a parent. He is a company man who's worked for a company for a long time. And I'm all the opposites of those. I still drink. I still enjoy my wobble pops from time to time. I self-admittedly more than time to time, but I still enjoy my wobble pops. I am a parent. I've been married for 10 years. I mean, not technically, but I've been with my wife since we were 17 years old. So almost half our lives at this point married for eight years now. Um, so it, I just felt it, two different perspectives represented the whole syndicate better. But now that there's only one, I didn't want to, self-proclaim I'm the voice for everybody. So I felt it is better just to shorten the name up. Um, so moving on, 
let's get into it. So I did actually take some notes. Um, first thing I want to do is update, which I just did. Um, the change in the logo, the socials, basically we're only on Facebook at this point. We'll probably branch out to Instagram and we'll see how it goes from there. The reason we haven't had episodes, I guess I'll get into that. So the reason we have been lacking on the episodes, guys, is, as I said, moving forward, this isn't going to be a weekly show. I felt like we were putting too much into it and we were kind of just trying to stretch it thin and it was taking away from the quality of the show. I believe we can bring, or me at this point, I believe I can bring a good show with some good input, some good advice, some good um, some good, uh, whatever, you know, just some good in the world, general good, some opinions, facts, miss facts, whatever, entertainment, call it what you will. I do feel like we were pushing too hard. So now I'm going to pull back on that and I want to do episodes that are more generic. I mean, not generic, generic's the wrong word. I want to bring episodes that are more honest, less forced, and hopefully just better for you guys. Um, so yeah, guys, it's just been busy. I've been really busy with work, family, everything in between. So uh, running down my notes here, it, bear with me, guys. It, it's a little hard doing this with just one person with no one to interject or bounce ideas off of. So I do have a notepad here. I did take some notes. More, I've probably done more notes for this show than I ever did all through high school. So I guess I'll start at the top of my notes. Um, we've missed episodes, work, vacation. I've been super busy at work, super fortunate. In my market, guys, the trucking industry has took a complete shit in my eyes. Um, some people are saying this is what trucking normally is. And in other eyes, people who started around the same time I did, this is somewhat of shell shock. It's a very slow market, a very poor paying market. It's just miserable all the way around. But I've been really fortunate that I've pushed as hard as I could to build a clientele or a customer base that comes directly to me rather than using brokers and whatnot. So luckily I've been pretty busy this year doing work for direct customers rather than broker and third partying work. Um, that comes with this pros and cons. There's the, the pros are it's realistically it's paying decent. I'm not, there's not a middleman taking his percentage. There is a lot more respect and honesty and stuff going on between just me and my customers and not going through a third party. The downside of that is I'll be slammed busy for two, three weeks and then dead slow, nothing, nothing going on, which is kind of the nature of the beast. And with the nothing going on, that's my time to catch up on maintenance on my trucks, maintenance on personal vehicles. Just, it's, it's just catch up time. Really. It's never, it's never a dull moment here in my, my neck of the woods. So, and then mixed into that, we have vacations. I have been really trying to do good on vacations and it's been really hard this year. We just took our first vacation to Lake McConaughey out in Nebraska. It was 
pretty awesome. We had a very good time. I think we spent four days, took the camper up there. And yeah, it was overall, it was a good time. And it's kind of leading into some of the stuff I wanted to talk about on this episode. Uh, amongst kind of dabbling in and out on the struggles of being a business owner, a small business owner at that. So to get into it, let's talk about family time, business time, and I'm a family business, so family business is business time. Um, so the big struggle there, guys, is being a small business owner, you're always busy. There's nothing you can't be doing. When I'm not actually doing the work I'm hired to do, I am maintaining equipment, improving equipment, upgrading equipment, selling old equipment, advertising to customers, whatever I can do to expand my business. But that does take away from family time. And family time is important to me just because my upbringing was very mixed. There was a lot of forced, um, how do I say, non-cordial family time. There's a lot of family time that was too far forced, wasn't fun for the whole family. But at the same time, now that I'm 31 years old reflecting back, I see what was going on there. So what I, I guess what I'm getting at, guys, is if you're a small business owner or even if you work for someone else, you do have to carve out that time. You have to carve out that time. I wish I would have done better this year. And as a business owner, my biggest advice is you set your vacations. Like at the beginning of the summer, we printed off a whole calendar of the summer. We were trying to plan vacations and I kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. My, my style of doing things is you write in the vacations and you work your company around it. I feel like that's the best way to make sure you work up until quitting time and then you still get in that family time. That's super important because I slacked this year and with how busy we were, I didn't get to scheduling times. We had some fall through with some friends that were supposed to go camping with us. Some of them have newborns. Some of them are too busy. Some of their work schedules didn't align with my work schedules, whatever, whatever. So my best advice is if you're a small business guy or if you're employed by someone else, plan as far ahead as you can. Write your vacations down. And that is that is what it is. You have to schedule around that. Car, like Put that in stone and move around it. And that's where I slacked this year is I should have put more shit in stone so I could have moved around it. But that being said, you know, with the family time thing, one of the things I wanted to touch about, just because I have a lot of friends in the space, dads, all right? For those of you that are dads and fathers, there's this fine line. You feel like you work so hard for your family and that you do so much and that it's all sacrifice, sacrifice. So then you go out and you spend money and do things just for you. Uh, tattoos, Drink a beer on the weekends, barbecues, um, whatever. The one thing I want to tell you to keep sight of is I have a lot of friends that do a lot of things for themselves, which you need to do. Like that's one of the things I probably slack on is I have lost grips on all my personal hobbies. But I'm trying to fulfill that with family hobbies. So 
I guess what I'm getting at is I know I know dads that are into race cars. I know dads that are into um, getting tattoos. I know dads that are into their version of fun is just drinking. You know, whatever it may be, uh, hunting. I got a lot of friends who are getting into the hunting zone. But what I want to say is you need to keep a balance between what you do for you and what you do for your family because you need to break yourself from work, but you also need to keep in mind your family. Prime example is I have a buddy. He's he's getting into hunting. It's super cool. It's one of the things I wish I had time to do. I really don't at this point. And that's just how I prioritize things. But I was talking to him one day and I, I brought up the hunting thing is great. It's super cool. I'm a little jealous. But one thing you need to keep sight of is, you know, you're getting into hunting. Your kids are still really young. They're four, five, six, and 10 years old. You know, they're all pretty young. You're kind of at the point where you need to really balance. Like if you're taking time out to do the hunting thing for yourself, to give yourself a break, that's great. But keep in mind your kids. Just because you're getting a break from work and you're getting a break doesn't mean your kids are getting a break. So I guess what I'm trying to say is you need to balance your hobbies with some family hobbies. So one thing I've done to attempt to balance that out is I I recently went and bought a dirt bike. So I went and bought a dirt bike because my I bought my kid a dirt bike for Christmas, right? And I bought my kid a dirt bike because I... Every holiday, every birthday, I buy him outside things. I bought him a pedal bike, I bought him a bow and arrow, and then I bought him a dirt bike. Those are some of the big purchases I've made for him. And that's just, you know, this day and age, he's got plenty of tablet time. He's got plenty of video game time. My five-year-old is insanely good at Call of Duty for a five-year-old, not going to lie. And my generation... Some of you older guys might disagree. I don't have a huge issue with it as long as it's getting balanced with other things. So every time he gets, you know, a video game, a tablet, whatever it may be, I try to offset it with 100% something that's disconnected from the internet. So the bow and arrow was one year, and then the Christmas I bought him a dirt bike. And now... He's really into the dirt bike thing. So being the good old dad I am, I had to spoil myself, but it's a family thing too. It's This is kind of what I'm trying to get to is you can, you can spoil yourself and give your family something at the same time. So I went and recently bought myself a dirt bike. Now, me being me, I bought a dirt bike. It's a little above my skill level. I mean, I grew up around them. I rode friends' dirt bikes in high school and when we were younger. And so of course I went out and bought me a YZ450F. It's a lot of bike for a 31 year old trucker who hasn't ridden a dirt bike in 10 years. But the smile on my kid's face getting to ride around a field with him. And then the smile on my youngest son's face, who's only two, but I got to take him for a little putt putt and just putt around the field. He was ecstatic. And then my five-year-old was just as ecstatic. He wouldn't even get on his dirt bike unless I was getting on mine. So what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to portray here is you can spoil yourself as a dad who's sacrificing a lot for your family. 
but also give back to your family at the same time. So kind of look for those things. In my case, it was dirt bikes. My my oldest boy is really taken to the dirt bike. My youngest is probably he's a he's a terrorist. He's probably gonna take to it worse <laughs> if not if not. But it was one of those things where it made it put a smile on my face, it put a smile on my kid's face, and it put a smile on my wife's face getting to watch us all enjoy some time together. So don't just look for hobbies to give yourself a break. Look for those hobbies that might help you out and the family all at the same time. And it's kind of a win-win. So you might be a hunter, but maybe your kids are too young to get into hunting. So you need to, like my buddy I was talking about earlier, I urged him to buy a camper because a camper is a win-win. You take the camping camper hunting when you go hunting, and then you can take your kids to the lake and let them all go swim and play around on floaties the next weekend um short and sweet of it yeah guys if you're if you're a dad out there i can't really speak to moms i mean my wife has her hobbies i mean hell her her instagram is hobby junkie if you haven't found her but she has her hobbies she does a lot of shit with the kids too she does all the gardening it's fun for her it's fucking hella fun for the kids and in my case dirt bikes it's fun as fuck to ride a bike that's too big and too powerful too powerful for me but it's also super fun for my kids as well. Now, granted, I could have went and got more tattoos. I love tattoos. I'm half tatted up. I could always use more tattoos. And I definitely plan on getting some more. Don't don't count me. Don't, don't assume I'm saying only do one thing. I'm just saying just keep it in the back of your mind. Try to find those things that you can correlate. In my buddy's case, the camper. It's like, dude, take the camping hunt camper when you go hunting. And then the next weekend or the weekend after, whatever, Take the whole family to the lake. It, it can it can serve dual purposes, and everybody kind of wins out of that situation. I feel like if you're a dad and you're only looking at things that benefit you, you're kind of you're kind of negating the sacrifice you made to be a parent. And a good parent has to do both. Now you don't want to do just one. Like, don't get me wrong, you can't just do all family stuff and ignore your own sanity. You have to balance all that shit out, and hopefully you guys can do it. I'm not saying I'm an expert by any means. I am a work in progress. So hopefully the as the time goes on, I can give better and more advice on that subject. Um, Moving on, I guess I'll get to uh, the business part of my life. So business, guys, as I said, I've been doing a lot of direct customer work, left me out of a lot of broker work. And the, in the trucking world, that's a big deal. So that all bounces in with the family dad time. I also make it a family ordeal to be part of my company. When I'm out here working on my trailers, my kids come out here, I show them how to use hand tools, I show them how to use power tools, I show them how to use pullers and take tires off and rotate tires and lefty-loosey, righty-tighty, all the good shit you can do to little kids. I make that a family ordeal. My wife hates it sometimes, but it is what it is. I feel it's important. So you have to, and I mean, that's just not for self-employed guys. If you're employed, but you're doing your own oil change, drag your family out to do it with you. They might hate you for a minute, but it's going to be worth it in the long run, I swear. I mean, my kids are super hands-on, super mechanically inclined, and 
in my generation, I'm, I'm already considered a minority of people by being able to handle 99% of my own maintenance and repairs on my personal vehicles and my company equipment. So the fact that I'm raising another generation of kids that are going to be just as smart as me, if not smarter, is only benefiting society and them as a person. Because whether they decide to go to college and become some kind of lawyer or they say, fuck that, and they want to be a roofer, they're going to know how to use their hands either way. And there's just no losing in that situation. So make make your business, whether it's your business or whether you're employed, but you still have to rotate tires on your truck or do your own oil changes or whatever. Do some landscaping around the house. Involve the family in that shit, but also make sure you're doing just, just generic fun as well, not just work, work, work. And that orientates more towards the guys who might be self-employed. Um, recently, my business had a big scare. So my margins are already, I mean, restaurant owner thin for a trucking company. They are not great. But we're getting by and I'm playing the long game. Now this is where the scare comes in is my insurance company came back and told me I was looking at a 60% increase in insurance rates. And that put me in a position where the insurance was going to skyrocket so much that it wasn't, it wouldn't it probably wouldn't worth be staying in business. It would be to me because I'm a stubborn, hard headed motherfucker, but I can guarantee you it would have been a long, hard conversation with my wife about it because yeah, just the numbers wouldn't calculate even I mean, they hardly calculate now, but adding another 60% to my insurance premium every year would have, I would have really been stretching the truth to try to convince my wife it was worth it. So <clears throat> that's the insurance scare. Now, as small business owners, you're going to run into this shit, guys. You're going to run into unexpected expenses, unexpected a lot of things, thin margins, all that shit. And that was a little challenging. Luckily, I got with my insurance. I said, you have to get me away from this underwriter and get me with a new carrier, blah, blah, blah. And it looks like, knock on wood, looks like it's going to work out to where I'm going to actually be looking at a lower insurance premium that I've been paying for than I've been paying for the last two or three years. So moving into the next part of what I'm trying to say is for us business owners, you got to look at this as like 4d chess. It's hard for me to explain to my wife or to my friends or to my family that I am I may be struggling right now. It may be hard right now, but I'm also playing this second or third layer of chess of two or three years in the future. A lot of people would look at my bank statements. They'd look at my numbers a year ago and be like, what are you doing, bro? Like my skill set, I could go work for someone else and make a lot better money than what I'm paying myself. And what I've learned over the last few years is you have to play the long game. If you're not willing to play the long game, you shouldn't try. Just don't even try. Because I've told multiple friends who have looked to going into the business for themselves. Like if they're the type of guy who's mad because they're not home at 5 o'clock on a Friday night, being self-employed probably isn't for you. Because being home at 5 o'clock on a Friday night will be a rarity. And if you are home, it's only because you have to 
fix some shit or put out some fires or schedule a new job or crunch numbers or do paperwork, it's kind of never ending. So I guess what I'm saying is for those of us that are self-employed, just remember guys, this is a game of 4D chess. I am playing a long game and it's slowly, slowly, slowly starting to pay off. I mean, the numbers didn't add up my first year in business. They didn't add up my second year in business. They haven't added up my third year business. But with my recent change in insurance, the cost of my operating has gone down a little bit. And it's slowly going to make more and more sense as time goes on. And as long as I can keep pushing on and keep driving my costs of operating down, the easier it's going to be to expand my business, the easier it's going to be to move into move into new fields of business because as we all know one of the things uh one of the things i wish i would have done better explaining to john when he did his goodbye episode was the idea of a single business making you a very frugal person in your future is super duper slim and i i've recognized that early and I've never intended to only be a hotshot trucking business. I've had all kinds of ideas about moving into heavy haul, oversized, semis, fleet management. And then outside, of, I, I've looked into doing storage containers, container work, um, small equipment type of landscaping type of works. Just you have to branch out. But the only way to branch out is to be able to leverage your business against that. So that first first uh, dive board you jump on and you put money into and you sink your time into, if you, I don't know how to say this. If, you're, if you think it's going to take two years, plan on four. If you think it's going to take five years, maybe plan on ten. But what I'm coming to discover is the longer you can stick it through, the easier it's going to get. Um. It's taken me longer than I anticipated and than I planned on for sure. And, but that being said is if things keep trending the way they're trending, I'm looking at a future where I will be able to diversify my company into other fields of work and create an overall bigger company, a more profitable company for me and my family. So, um, you just you got to keep in the back of your head as a business owner to stay five or 10 moves ahead. And that's really like the move you're on right now might suck. It might cost you money. It might cost you a shitload of time. It might cost you all kinds of things, but you got to look at that move. That might be 10 moves after that. And that's where you need to be basing your current decisions off of. I've, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've made a lot of, what seem like mistakes to other people as well. But if they could see what I see inside my head, it might not seem so stupid. And sometimes it's hard to explain that, but you know, it is what it is. And this, I know I'm preaching to the self-employed here, but as a employed person, it's kind of the same philosophy. You might need to stay late on a Friday night and don't think about the sacrifice you're making on that Friday or that weekend when your boss calls you into work on a Saturday, think about five or 10 moves ahead. Think about who's going to be first in line for a promotion. Think about when you're ready to go ask for that raise, what kind of evidence you bring to the table to your employers, why you might, might deserve that raise. So don't focus on that current sacrifice too hard. 
I mean, you do have to balance it. There is a line where enough is enough. Don't get me wrong. But you also have to look at the long game. Play that game of 3D, 4D chess. If you're an employed guy, same. it's the same, same philosophy, just different, different chess pieces, really. You might not be thinking about spending all night, Saturday night, changing wheel bearings on a trailer so you can go to work on a Sunday. But you might be, oh, I had plans on this Saturday, but the boss wants guys to work, and it's half voluntary because we all know what voluntary means. It means kind of asking without asking, more like telling. But, hey, if this is a place you want to work at for a long time or a company you want to be with or even an industry, it might not be the company. That's why I'm saying think five or ten moves ahead. Maybe you're an electrician and your boss is asking you to work overtime. You had plans. And you hate the company. But on that Saturday, we all know how unexpected overtime goes. Usually, in my experience, guys, the work is a lot less pressing. It's a little slower pace. When I was learning how to operate heavy equipment, that's when I got my most time in the seat was an unexpected Saturday or unexpected weekend job or an unexpected night job. When the boss isn't going to push too hard because he already knows he pissed everybody off by making them come in unexpectedly, that's when your operator might say, hey, fuck that, you come dig this hole, or you backfill this hole, or you grade this road. That's, and maybe, like I said, it's not the company you want to be with, but it might be the industry you want to be in, and that's, that's seat time, or operating time, or... Like I said, if you're an electrician, that's time to you get to do some shit on your own because the senior guy wants to take it lazy on a Saturday and he's just going to do a little more of uh, double-checking your work and letting you do more work. And when you go to the next company, you can brag about how you ran a bunch of home runs for a house or you did a bunch of panel wiring on a commercial building and you have experience there. That's when you're going to log in some probably more experienced than you did the rest of the week. So like I said, just think five or 10 moves ahead, but it's basically all I got on the serious stuff, guys. Uh, the one thing I wanted to do being as we're moving into election season is a quick political update. So I got on my notes here, uh, thoughts on our Trump indictments. So my thoughts on that guys are, um, I really feel feel like they're just throwing shit at the wall to see what sticks. Um, Biden, whether you're one of those guys who loves Biden or not, he's older than dirt, and I he just keeps making mistake after mistake, and I just don't think he'll make another election run as much as he says he will. And I feel like the reason for indicting Trump is just to see if they can get him off the ballot. And it's kind of going to be a mess of a situation. But the more they indict Trump, to be honest, the more people like me, and I'm not the only one, I've talked to other guys too, kind of just want to see what he does if he is president. Because some of us feel like he's going to go on a revenge rampage. And that could be messy. But right-leaning or not, libertarian-leaning, a lot of us don't disagree that the government could be smaller. Even if you're a left-leaning person, super hardcore Democrat, there's probably a lot of things you don't like about just how the government operates as a whole. There's a lot of corruption. There's a lot of unnecessary spending. There's a lot of overemployment. 
So with the Trump indictments, my view on that is just disregarding his prior presidency. I kind of want to see what he would do if he's elected. Like just revenge to her. How many people is he going to fire? Because the more people he fires, I, I don't feel like that could ever be a bad thing in our current situation. I feel like our government is probably five times bigger than it needs to be. And a lot of people like me feel the same way. So that's kind of my reason for kind of liking Trump at this point is it's just like, I want to see what he does. You know, now that he's been scorned, he's been burned. The establishments went after him. Fuck it. Let's see what he does. And that's kind of all I got. I mean, he's not saying a whole lot of new things. He's saying a lot of old things that he didn't get done his first term. Maybe he'll get them done this time. Maybe not. But the revenge, <laughs> the revenge campaign is pretty appealing to me just because I think it'll result in a lot of bureaucrats losing their jobs. Um, on the right side of the aisle, who else we got? We got DeSantis. So DeSantis, I can't say a whole lot, guys. Blah. He's really, I, I'm a, I was a big fan. I know I, I'm pretty sure I said it previous episodes that I feel like he was the better candidate because he's more presidential, he's more professional, he was better at policy, yada, yada, yada. But the more he talks and the more his campaign goes on, I'm like, you kind of just seem like another just politician. Like, no different between a Republican or a Democrat. You just seem like the type of guy that's going to go in there, kiss the ring, and do what you're told. And I do not like that. And I think a lot of us don't like that. I think a lot of us are sick and tired of the fucking uniparty system. I think we want to see a change. And as much as he preaches and gabs on, he's so boring. He's so impersonal. I just feel like he's going to go in there and just shake hands with everybody and compromise way too much. And I don't think he's going to do anything. I think he's just going to be another hundred year politician. And in 20 years, I'll be talking about the same thing about him being 85 years old and too old to run our country. So that's kind of my opinion on him. And I know a lot of people I've talked to kind of feel the same way. Um, who else we got on the right side? We got Vivek Ramaswamy. So this is a guy I'm actually a big fan of. So to put it out there, it's Vivek, like cake, Vivek. Um, if I could mage, wave a magic wand and pick the guy to win, it would definitely be him. He's young, which I'm already a big fan of because I've said it on this podcast more than once. I'm so sick and tired of politicians being older than dirt. They're so old. The policies, the rules, the shit they're voting on won't affect their lives because they only got another 10 years left. He is like 37, under 40. So I'm a big fan of having a younger guy. And he's not like typical younger. He's educated younger. He's a smart motherfucker, billion-dollar companies. And if you listen to anything he talks all his interviews are not pre-scripted. They are off the cuff. He doesn't shy away from hard questions. He doesn't do that thing where you ask him a question and he figures out how to spin it into something completely unrelated. He's direct. He's blunt. He addresses shit head on. If you follow him on any of the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, he lays out his opinions very clear. And I'm a big fan of that. There might, 
might be something we don't know about him, but I don't know. The big thing I also see about him is no one's really attacking him, and I wonder if that's because there's really nothing to attack. Um, I know I've listened to some podcasts where they had big DeSantis supporters, big Trump supporters, big Biden supporters, big uh, Governor Newsom supporters from California. That's the other Democrat running, and even RFK supporters. No one's really got anything to, like, jump on him about. You know, when they talk about Trump, they got, uh, you know, a billion things. Uh, the way he treats women, the things he said, the things he didn't do when he was already president. And then on the right side, you got when they talk about Biden, it's he did this wrong, he did that wrong, he's giving money to these people, all this shit, all this shit that we think he's done wrong. And when it comes to Vivek, they're just like, eh, he's young. And I'm like, that's it? That's all you got? Like, I'm not scared of young, because if that's the worst thing you got to say about somebody, I don't... comes off very disconcerting to somebody like me. And, like I said, go find him on YouTube. Go find him on his socials. Go listen to... He was on the Patrick McDavid podcast. He was on Tim Pool podcast. Hopefully, he'll be on Joe Rogan soon. There's... he He's not scared to talk about anything you ask him about. And like I said, nobody from the right running against him or the left can really has really attacked him on anything. And I'm wondering if that's just because they can't. And if there's somebody they can't attack, feels like it might be somebody that deserves our vote. So just keep an eye on him. I feel like he's slowly creeping his way above DeSantis because I feel like DeSantis' campaign is kind of crashing and burning because not only is he just boring, dude, his campaign has been just shit after shit. They've done a bunch of mistakes. He barely just fired people that should have been fired months, if not years ago. He's already been called out on very shadily moving campaign funds from his governor fund, which is supposed to be secluded to Florida, to his presidential fund, which was illegal but somehow a bill got passed in the shy of night that made it legal to move funds around and just like i said seems like age-old politician bullshit but even the people who big supporters of him don't have a lot bad to say about vivek ramaswamy if anything bad i've yet to hear anybody actually attack him on something substantial other than the fact that oh he's kind of young or he has no experience at this point in my life, I don't care about experience because all the experience I see is 50 years old and it's done nothing but, I mean, I'm not that old. I'm 31 years old, but in my, what are we looking at? 15 years of working life, my insurance rates have become unaffordable. My mortgage has become damn near unaffordable. My everything, health insurance, I can't afford anymore. So sorry but i don't give a shit about all these people who've been doing it for years because what i see is they're the ones who've been running us into the ground so somebody like him who i know he can build companies i know he's doesn't have a bunch of shitty allegations against him and i know he hasn't already run a state like california into the dirt what else can we say i mean sounds like a guy that might deserve a lot of attention and might even deserve our votes so just keep an eye on him Especially if you're like, eh, on President Trump. And if you're definitely like, eh, on the left Biden and Governor Newsom. Because I don't think he's announced yet, but it sounds like he's going to run. And, I mean, come on, guys. Just go look at California. Look at the amount of people left there. Look at their tax rates. Look at their current implosion of a state. 
and a guy who's ran that state like that, we don't, I can't see how anybody could justify him running an entire country. The only other person we have left on the list of notable people is RFK. I've jokingly said before I might be Democrat if that's what a Democrat is. <sighs> Don't get me wrong. RFK in the past has said some shit that's kind of dumb. Some shit I definitely disagree with. But he's also said a lot of shit I disagree with. And he kind of aligns with Trump and Vivek. So Trump, like I said, I think he's going to go on a revenge tour. I think he's going to shit can a bunch of people. And it's going to be kind of great to watch. Vivek has already come out and said he's going to get rid of the Department of Education. He's going to disperse the FBI. And seriously, I think he said some comment about like reduce the federal government size by 50 to 75% within his first year. Because there's just a lot of excess spending. There's a lot of excess overregulation. There's a lot of shit that goes on that doesn't need to go on. And we all fucking know it. Um, on the left side of the aisle, RFK has actually said some of the similar things. He wants to get rid of a lot of the same agencies. The only thing that holds me back from him is some of his views on universal health care. And just some of the shit he said in the past. But that being said... People can change, you know. He might have said something 20 years ago, which is what people bring up as shit he said 20 years ago. And maybe he's changed his mind. Maybe he hasn't. I don't know. But if you're a left-leaning person, I don't see how you could not support RFK over Governor Newsom or President Biden. So I, I can't say a whole lot. I'm not going to lie, guys. I don't pay a lot of attention on the left side of the aisle because right off the bat, there's some conflicts of interest in my mind but if you are on the left side i would love to hear your input and i'd be more interested in hearing why you would support ifk over vivek ramaswamy the reasons to support biden versus trump are clear the reasons to support desantis newsom are very clear and but I think the real interesting argument is the Vivek versus RFK guy. Because honestly, I think if you're on one side or the other, your underdogs are honestly your best candidates. So I'd love to hear what the opinions are there. Um, but hopefully during, you know, we got some debates coming up. Hopefully all the candidates take part. And maybe it'll clear some of it up. I think it'll be super interesting. On the right side of the aisle, I think RFK could probably tear. <coughs> Sorry. I think RFK would, or on the right side of the aisle, I think Vivek would tear DeSantis apart. I think he would tear Trump apart on fact stuff, but I think Trump has got that showmanship and that ego and that larger-than-life aspect that will be hard to compete with. On the left side of the aisle, I mean, arguing with Biden's like arguing with a drunk five-year-old, I don't think it'd be too hard. Governor Newsom, I mean, I honestly don't think don't under, don't think there's anyone who can argue his pros over RFK. But it would be interesting to hear RFK versus Newsom on a debate stage and hash it out. But that's all I got for this one, guys. I'm not going to drag it on too long. I know it's kind of boring with just myself. I do promise. I swear. I do have some guests lined up. Um, I do have a few uh, subject-oriented episodes coming up. One of them is going to be hotshot trucking. Another one's going to be um, 
uh, like a culture war one. Yeah, I mean, if anyone's been paying attention, Bud Light's still sucking. Bud Light's losing money. Anheuser-Busch has had to sell a bunch of their microbreweries. The music industry is quite interesting right now. We got a guy who sang a song called The Richmond North of Richmond. Charting number one. We got another canceled song charting number two. And we got a canceled artist charting number three. Um, I think that would be interesting to talk about because I've read some articles on all of these songs and it's funny all the people against those songs I think don't understand where we're coming from completely at all and it's just kind of super frustrating and hilarious at the same time to read all the arguments against these songs so I'm going to let those fizzle out a little bit before I talk about like an overview of them and how they did and how they performed. But yeah, guys, there's definitely going to be more episodes. Uh, I do have another vacation coming up. Business is crazy. So might not be this week or next week. It might take a couple of weeks to get it out, but we do have some guests coming, got some good episodes coming. So stick with it. Let me know what you think. Hit us up on Facebook YouTube. Oh, I forgot to mention, guys. YouTube is up and running. I've been uploading past episodes from when John was still here, but I only did the interview episodes. So we're going to do all the interview episodes on YouTube, 100% for sure. And moving forward, I might do my solo episodes. Not sure yet. YouTube's a little sketch because I know I run my mouth a bit and they might not like what I say. They might pull my shit down. So... But the interview episodes will definitely be there. So find us on YouTube, Facebook, um, Instagram pretty soon. Just because, like I said, so easy to share. Facebook to Instagram, why not do both? And that's pretty much all I got, guys. So tune in for the next one. Let me know what you think of this one. And we'll go from there. See you guys later. <laughs>